Make war with who? Who does the dragon make war with? The children of God who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus is the answer to this question. Revelation 12, 17. The questions we must all ask ourselves as God's children are, what does it mean to keep the commandments of God? And two, what does it mean to hold to the testimony of Jesus? Because these people are who the enemy makes war with. The reason we must ask these questions is because these are the ones the dragon makes war with, as I've just said. So we will unpack this writing and what it means to keep the commandments and what it is to hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. We see the same verse in Revelation 14, 9 to 12, which is very powerful. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night. Those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus also. Let's start with the first question. What does it mean to keep the commandments of God? We see this, keep the commandments of God, in 1 John 2, 3 also, and it is also in relation to the true knowing of God. 1 John 2, 3. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. We cannot know God, which is a transformative knowledge without the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus in us. It's the role of the Spirit to write the commandments on our heart and minds so we can keep the two commandments which all the law and the prophets depend upon. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, hence the importance of knowing him, which enables us to keep the two commandments. It's a fundamental truth that we cannot keep the commandments of God unless the Spirit writes them upon our hearts and minds through his power just like the way God wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone in Exodus 34 verse 1. 2 Corinthians 3 3 says this, Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, care for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Hebrews 8 10 to 11, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, after these days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach everyone, his fellow citizen and everyone his brother saying, know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. It's this process that creates us to know God, gnosko knowledge that Paul said, Life was but rubbish compared to this knowledge, this knowledge of him. He said he wanted to continually come into this Gnosko knowledge more and more and more. So one cannot keep the commandments of God unless one has the word of God, the commandments written on their heart. 
If one doesn't have the spiritual actuality, then a person is trying to keep the commandments through their own strength. And this is an absolute recipe for disaster in so many ways. This person doesn't have the commandments written on their heart. And so not only are they walking around exposed and truly vulnerable to every form of attack and being taken out by the dart that hits the heart, the person can't love as they are commanded to love and so can't live the way they are commanded to live. Luke 10, 25-29 If we can't live a life of love, then we will not be his bride. And as we have looked at, it's those who keep the commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus that the demonic comes after, because these people, these sons, are the bride of Christ, the overcomer. They are people of authority and power in the Spirit. The one who has the commandments of God written on their entire being and their possessions, the external things God has blessed them with, are the most powerful followers on earth. These followers are unhinged, uninhabited, unanchored from the enormous magnetic pull and forces of the earth which keep many bound and in need of earth's source and resource to function and live. Only those who have his commandments on their being know what this reality is in Acts 17.25, which says, He himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And also in Acts 17.28, where we see the scriptures say, For in him we live and move and exist. These followers are wholeheartedly abandoned to Christ, devoted to him and his purpose for his sake, and everything about their lives demonstrates this reality. They are the kingdom ambassadors who steward the mysteries of the kingdom of God now, who are living lives worthy of his calling, no longer living for self, but being controlled by love. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. The love of Christ controls us because the love of Christ is upon our hearts, hands, minds, through the commandments being written on our being, through the power of knowing him via the Spirit's revelation. How many of his followers are controlled by love like this? Only those who are able to keep the commandments of God. Let's now look at question number two. What does it mean to hold to the testimony of Jesus? This is critical. We know this dimension as well. When we hear testimony, what is our understanding of what this means? I think for the majority of followers, we would say the testimony of Jesus is him going to the cross for our sins and iniquity and rising again. The testimony of Jesus is way, way, way more than this. Yes, this is part of what Jesus has accomplished, but this is a small part of a much greater picture, an eternal picture. The testimony of Jesus is about everything that has been finished and accomplished in him before the foundation of the earth. Nothing has come into being apart from him, and all things have come into being through him. Colossians 1, 15-20 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all have been created through him and for him. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. Before the world and the purpose of God on and for the world began, it was foretold of what would happen, and it was all accomplished and finished by the word himself, Jesus Christ. This is why this is his testimony. His testimony is about everything he has accomplished before any of it began. And Jesus fulfilled it all when he came in the flesh, fulfilling the law, the prophets, the Psalms, making himself first place in everything. It is those who know this testimony of Christ and are coming to know it, who the enemy makes war with. Why? Because this testimony is the spirit of prophecy, meaning the one who knows and is coming to know this testimony, the word of God which saves, frees, heals, builds, empowers, declares, prophesies, foretells of this word into the earth, all of people of the world to hear, receive, accept, and believe. So the word performs its work in us. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13-14 The scriptures are prophetic, so they foretell of everything Jesus has accomplished in the now and the future, his testimony, and the one who testifies of this dimension through the Spirit's revealing, the adversary makes war with. These disciples, this church, who keep the commandments of God and hold to his testimony, are the people of no compromise, and so cause the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness's purposes and plans of death and destruction. These are the people the prince of darkness makes war with, and comes to destroy, as these followers are the only real threat to his kingship and dominion of darkness purposes. These followers are a threat to the adversary's governmental rulership, which the world is under the control of, because they live and speak of the kingdom of light, being ambassadors of this kingdom as Jesus was, seeing all of humanity released from the powers of darkness. The battle is for the worship of who? Humanity will either worship the dragon, Satan, and receive his mark, or they will worship the Lord Jesus Christ and receive his mark. The demonic, the king of this world, tried to take the Lord and Savior out from the day, the first day he was born. Matthew 1.13 Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. If we are not fully awake to the two dominions that exist on earth and in the heavens, then unfortunately we will more likely be asleep to the true spiritual battle that exists within God's created people and purpose. We will be unaware of the two governmental systems which exist within the fight for souls, lives, and external dimensions which exist forever. The two kingdoms or two governmental orders or systems have two distinctly different kings or lords who govern them. The king of the world is governed by Satan and his angels, 
and the kingdom of God is governed by Jesus and his sons or subjects. These two kingdoms exist side by side on earth, and each one has its own entirely different purposes, operating systems, values, attributes, and ways of being, but they have two things in common. The first thing which these kingdoms have in common is that the king of each kingdom is to be worshipped for who they are. The second thing that they have in common is that they both have a mark that is associated with the king of the appropriate kingdom or governmental system. We can see in John 4 that the Father seeks true worshippers, worship who worship the Father in spirit and truth. We also see in Matthew 22 and Mark 12 the commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, we are to love God with our entire being. Romans 12 verse 1 teaches us what true worship is in the laying down of our entire lives unto God, allowing him to circumcise the heart. And then verse 2 instructs us in the renewing of our minds so we are able to prove the demonstration of our lives what God's perfect will is. Deuteronomy 4 teaches us or commands us to have the commandments of God on our heart, hands, head, doorposts, and gates, once again symbolizing our entire lives. We are taught by Jesus himself to seek first his kingdom because we have been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness or the governmental system of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Colossians 1.13 says, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. How many of us are even aware of the magnitude of this reality? How many of us actually have any real revelation and reality for being trapped in the kingdom of darkness, which is governed by Satan? As followers who have been rescued, reconciled out of darkness and into light, we are to be getting prepared to receive our groom for the marriage of the Lamb and his bride. We are to be worshipping the Father and Son, receiving their mark of the covenant, living lives working to which we have been resurrected from death to life. We are to be made into the image of the Son, so we are fully capable of living lives that are of the imitation of the Son. This is exactly what Romans 8.29 and Ephesians 5.1-2 and 1 Corinthians 11.1 say. All of this is to take place while we are on earth and as our apprenticeship for our participation in the age, the kingdom of heaven, to come for a thousand years. This is the Father and Son's purpose for our lives under their governmental system, their kingdom rulership. Now there is much opposition to this kingdom of light, and just like the King of Truth seeks the worshippers of his followers, so does the governing representation of the kingdom of darkness called Satan, the father of lies. He has a whole lot of people deceived and are blinded to the reality that they are of his domain of darkness. We, as humanity, are born into this domain, this kingdom of darkness, even though we have no reference or reality for this truth. 2 Corinthians 4.3 and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose care the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The world is Satan's playground, and if we are of the world, we inadvertently become part of his world and end up being a worshipper of his without even realizing it. 
We don't intentionally worship him. In fact, we have no idea of this reality at all. We are deceived as the scriptures teach. But this doesn't mean this is not our reality. Self is of the kingdom of darkness. So we, if we are a lover of self, we inadvertently become a lover of the kingdom of darkness, the world. Not only must the world come out of us, we must come out of it. This is why 1 John 2, 15-17 talks about us not loving the world, and if we do love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. Verse 15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Remember who the God of this world is from 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3? James also talks about the love for the world and all that is in it. James 4.4, 4, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There is no compromise here. The scriptures are very clear and the standard is for all to see. To be a lover of self is to still be a lover of this world and our lives will clearly reflect this. To be a lover of this world is to be a lover of the God of this world. and This would have to be one of the greatest deceptions there is, as if you ask someone whether they loved or worshipped Satan, most would say, absolutely no way. Are you mad? But the reality is, without even or ever knowing it, you are and are coming under his governmental system and rulership. You are firmly entrenched in the spirit of this world called Babylon and living for it. The spirit with all its lust has firmly got its claws into people who love this world and all the ways of this world. Babylon is an adulterous spirit that draws you into her lustful pleasures, promising you everything and guarantee your happiness, while at the very same time stripping you of every fiber of your being both spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, and financially, eventually bringing you to your spiritual death in the lake of fire. Inhabitants of the earth are firmly entrenched into the schemes of the demonic and are being prepared to receive his mark, which will signify their eternal doom. Without even knowing it, they are already worshipping him and his image by the loving of themselves. 2 Timothy 3 1 says, In the last days, difficult times will come because men will be lovers of self and lovers of money. To love self is to love the world, and to love the world is to love Satan, for he is the God of this world. 1 John 2 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. 1 John 2, 17, the world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. If you are not ready to leave this world, there is every chance you are a lover of it. When we hear the word lust, it would be way too easy to just think sexually. To lust is to crave, to thirst, to be hungry for the complete and utter satisfaction of the appeasement of one's carnal, sinful, vile nature called self. It is self doing everything with its own ability and strength to satisfy itself no matter what the cost and no matter whose expense. This is the spirit of the world called Babylon, and each one of us is birthed with this spirit. 
within us and it must be crucified by Christ himself so it ceases to live and exist. Unfortunately, many non-followers but also followers are spiritually asleep to this dimension. Many followers can still live their lives completely oblivious to the consequences of loving self and living for self and are unaware and oblivious to the fact that they are living these lives of deception, being completely irrelevant when it comes to being and living as an ambassador of God's kingdom. Men and women who keep God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. It's not enough just to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Your life must become the reflection and the demonstration of Jesus. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus and to be the imitator of him. This is way more than just believing. This is about becoming Christ-like and being the demonstration of this wisdom. We will either be conformed to the image of the world, which is demonic, or we will be conformed to the image of the Christ, which is love, light, and life. We will either express demonic behavior because of the image we are still of, or we will express Christ-likeness. Those who keep the commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus will express and reflect Christ-likeness in both. And this is the reason why the demonic powers of darkness make war with these people. If we believe the worshipping of his image isn't already happening, then we can be asleep and probably are a lover of this world and worshipping his image. We have to remember whose world it is and who the God of this world is. We will worship something, so it will either be ourselves, the worship of self, which is demonic in nature, or it will be the worshipping of God, the one true living God. So many followers believe when it's time to receive the mark of the beast, physical, they will know and not go through with it. I am not so certain. If you are a lover of the world, self, today, then the most natural thing to do will be to receive this mark because you are being deceived, this mark of the world, because you have loved you and lived for you. At this moment, you will be required to have lost your life because this is what is being asked of you in this moment. If you haven't already lost your life by being circumcised in the heart, what are the odds of losing your life on the day that this turns up? The odds will not be great, but possible. I personally believe a person will need a move of God's grace as the intensity and pressure will be of the highest order, unbearable, and we will need another life source in us to not succumb. The people who will be able to stand firm and resist will be those who keep the commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. They will be the ones who have him as their armor, and because he is their armor, they will not love their lives even when faced with death. Ephesians 6, 10-14 These are the followers who lost their lives, loved their neighbor as themselves, laying their lives down for him and others, and living a life of love seeing his kingdom being outworked in and through them now. These followers live from his love and live for his eternal purpose. May we all be found living as these followers of Jesus, holding firm to the testimony of Jesus and keeping his commandments.